The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. Talkin' Buds Leave Show, the unofficial halfway point of the season. And I say unofficial because they've played more than half their games. They've played 52 games. But I feel like everyone looks at the All-Star break as the quote-unquote halfway point. Um, Do you... If I was going to ask you how many Fs do you give about the All-Star game? How how many Fs do you give about the All-Star game? Big fat donut. Yeah, I think zero. Yeah. Do you think it's it's I treat it like a guy who isn't going to the all-star game. Like I just I'm on vacation from watching NHL hockey when the all-star break is going. Now, are you saying that because you think there's something wrong with the NHL's all-star format or are you just like all-star games in general? No blend. Yeah, all star game. Look what the NFL's doing this year. Like flag football. Like what? <laughs> flag football? Like that's ridiculous. It like, is ridiculous. What? And I think Oh my I think if you look at goodness. like other leagues, like you look at the MLB, like I think the home run derby in the MLB still like has a bit of luster on it because th- there's some guys like Otani and, and Guerrero and stuff that are like worth watching. But does anybody actually watch the MLB all-star game? No. The only reason to watch the NHL all-star game this year, and you only need to do so for five minutes is to get a glimpse at the sweet reverse retro Miami vice nineties all-star unis. And once you've seen them in action for about a shift, you can go, Okay, that's enough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, baseball, it's like hitting bombs is still cool. Like watching a guy drill a thousand home runs is is pretty cool to watch. But I mean, I until Paige Thompson got knocked out of his position in the All-Star game for the Sabres because of injury and, and they replaced Darlene, the, the I'm pretty sure the Eastern side like didn't have one defenseman there. So they're going to play three on three with no defenseman. Like what? I like, what is the, and then the whole like everybody has to have a representative, which I get, but it's just uh, it's it's becoming like I feel like this conversation every year just keeps getting louder and louder about how crappy all star games. I just are. don't understand why. I think the concept of an all star or a pro bowler is like you can still have that in the sense that like, hey, uh, Mitch Marner, you're an all star. That doesn't mean you have to go blow a weekend of your vacation to take part in a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter and doesn't even pop a huge rating. It'd be one thing if it was like, oh no, the all-star game is a draw. It's not a draw. Nobody cares. For the sponsors. Oh my God. For the sponsors of the league. Well, I mean, if somebody's spending money to advertise in the all-star game, it's like you're not drawing massive eyeballs. So I hope you're not paying a premium for advertising placement in a game that nobody cares about. For the kids, Rob. Uh, I guess. Yeah, the, the kids. kids. The kids, you know, these youngsters, yeah. they'll, they'll look back on it and it'll be it'll be something they never, ever forget. I feel like when I was a kid, I used to think, like, all-star games were cool, I, th- I think. 
and like the skills competition, hardest shot was always something, but I think it is for kids. Like actually, I do believe that. But for for people like me, I I I treat this as a vacation. I said this last week and I'm not sitting here saying that Austin Matthews doesn't have a knee injury that he has to rehab and get better. He probably he absolutely does. I believe that wholeheartedly, but I guarantee you Austin Matthews is not shedding a tear over having to not having to go to the all-star game this weekend and can just go enjoy his vacation and the bye week. That's the thing do like just have the bye week. Like, I don't know about you. I know we both feel this way and I'm sure there's some idiot who's going to watch this and go, you're not a Lee fan, but like we watch every single game. I'm kind of looking forward to this like nine days of just everybody just sit back, have a reset, just clear your minds and let's come back and lock in for the stretch run here. Yeah, no, I'm, and I think also like, I, I think as a player, if you're a guy who's going to his first all-star game, I think that would be like cool for a player, but for Austin Matthews, it's, I've been for a couple of years and I'm not feeling great. So let's just, let's just give him the extra time. But I don't think they're ever, I don't think they're ever going to get rid of this thing. Like, no, I don't think so. Which either. I don't think they like have to. It's just like when it's, when the all-star game comes, it's all that there is to talk about. And frankly, everyone's just kind of bored of it and doesn't really like to talk about it. So now all we talk about is how we don't like it. So as I said earlier, the unofficial halfway point of the season, the Toronto Maple Leafs sit at 31, 13, and 8, 70 points, 13 points behind the division-leading Boston Bruins, five points up on the Tampa Bay Lightning as the time of this recording. And there's a lot of positives and negatives to glean from the first half. I think overall, this this was a really good first part of the season for them. I thought the, the way they played for pretty much all of November and half of December was, was very good. I think this is a very good hockey team. It's a top five team in the league without question. If you were going to drill down what your, what, what your top positive storylines are, I think number one has got to be William Nylander. I think he has taken a step and has gone from uh, um, an okay offensive player to like an elite top six forward in the league and a difference maker night in and night out. Well, I think he was always a top six forward. He was just, now he's, he's like before he'd be always pick Marner over Nylander, but now he's, put himself where it's like, I'm not so sure who I would pick out of that too. He's just gotten that much better. And the second positive for me, there's more, but I would say if, if you're going to pick the top two, the second would be the goaltending, uh, specifically Ilya Samsonov as of late. But the, they had the run there in November, December, where both of them were just lights out. And they've both been, that was the biggest question mark heading into this season. And both of them have been really, really good. Uh, a personal highlight for me has been Timothy Lilligren becoming arguably their best defenseman. Like, do you think that that's a crazy thing to say? No, I don't really think they have a best defenseman. I think it changes every single night. I don't think there's one guy who's the best game in game out. I think they have a, a, a decor where any of those guys could be the best defenseman on their team on any given night. I'm sure he has been on 
certain night. I don't want to say negatives because when your team is sitting where the Leafs are sitting, I don't think the word negative is, is appropriate. I would prefer to go with concerns. And without question, we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it again today. Without question, in my opinion, the biggest concern is the depth of this hockey team. And look no further than the Wednesday night matchup against the Boston Bruins, where that was on full display. Absolutely. And and I would say uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe even above the Nylander thing, I would say one of the strongest positives of this team has been their defensive play. But that's kind of flipped into kind of in the middle now where it's like I was really stoked about it, but it's kind of gone downhill. So now it's they've shown they can do it, but over the past couple weeks, it's kind of been slipping a little bit. Sheldon Keefe needs to spend Kyle Dubas needs to spend these nine days looking at his roster up, down, top to bottom and saying, who can I move out? Where can I go? What do we address? How do we make this team deeper? And Sheldon Keefe needs to spend these nine days watching so much film on the defensive play because we sat here for a month and a half and we're like, wow, they've turned the corner. They've turned the corner, the defensive structure. We've never seen them play like this defensively. Everyone's bought in. Look at this. They're fine. They finally figured it out. And I just feel like in the last like three, four weeks, that's, that's not the case anymore. And they are giving up a lot of grade a scoring chances in their, in their own zone. And when Elias Samsonov has a game like he had against Boston, they don't win. Like unless, unless he or Matt Murray is standing on his head, they, they don't win. And it's, it's a huge, huge concern. It's the same. It's the same old story, just reckless giveaways, overthinking, out of position. It's it's really really frustrating to watch. Well, I think a, a, a cynical Leaf fan could could also make the argument that when they were going through that run, that's when they were getting their best goaltending of the season, where both guys were in the nine twenty to nine thirty range in save percentage, and that's when they were playing their best best defensive hockey but if you go look at it now it's it's Samsonov's at a at a 913 and Murray's at a 911 which is kind of just back down to just average goaltending not not awful just average like Freddie Anderson always sat around 915 and so to your point when they aren't getting Samsonov playing at a 930 clip like he was at the start of the season then maybe they just maybe it was the goaltender who was just kind of masking some of those deficiencies but I, I don't fully believe that because I, when we did watch the games like you could see that they were really trying to make an effort to be better in their own zone but now that their goaltending slipped back to being average and their defensive play slipping a little bit they're kind of kind of back to the to old style leaf hockey a little bit that's concerning. Where, where i don't i don't think they're like primed to go on a big seven game win streak for the rest of the year i think they're gonna play above 500 hockey for the rest of the, the year. I don't know if that's going to be good enough to stay in second place or not, but I think the frustration that some people feel is you want just once. And I understand Boston is having this incredible season. Okay. Like we, we all understand and acknowledge that, 
But just once, I want them to go. I want them to go into this series against Tampa and be like, the Leafs are the favorite. And again, somebody's watching this and going, they are the favorite. They're five points up. It's like, no, they're not. Like, you can't watch them play and go, this team is is the the undisputed favorite in this matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, if they, the way they're currently playing, are you confident they can go in to seven games, even with home ice? Home ice doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. We've seen it. We've seen it twice. They've had home ice, and it didn't matter. Montreal didn't matter. Tampa Bay didn't matter. As long as they're playing the Bruins or Tampa, which they're probably going to play Tampa, even though the Sabres are kind of going on a nice little run here. You know, they might be a little too far back, but they're, they're always going to be a, a underdog against either of those teams, and deservedly so, in my opinion. Because I think, I on, in my honest opinion, through the unofficial halfway point of, the, of this season, that they're the third best team in this division again. Like, I don't think they're a better team than either of those teams. I, I, I really don't. I, 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 I just can't, I can't think of a way how they're better than either of those teams. Well, again, someone is watching this and going, they have 70, oh, 70 but, but points. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, but it's, it's the Bruins and the Lightning both have elite players that cancel out the Leafs elite players. And well, that, as it, we talked about last week, yeah, you look at the decors on both teams and you look at the bottom six of both teams. They're they're better. They're and, and the goaltending. And that's and that's what I mean when I say like the, the depth. Like AJ Greer goes out and get like let, let me list to you the guys who scored for the Boston Bruins last night, okay? Derek Forbort. Forbort. I'm gonna say it how it's how it's spelled. Forbort. Okay. Brandon Carlo. AJ Greer, who was later got absolutely yeah. tagged and was out on his feet. That was wild. That was that wild. Was scary. Yeah, that was wild. That Whoa. was scary. And clearly the, the officials didn't see didn't see it. Well, it was weird. It was like it's like he was out, but he was it looked like he was still defending himself in a way, because he didn't go like down. He was just like it was almost like he was like half out. And I'm happy the guy, the spotter, caught that because that was Wayne Simmons just kind of legitimized his reputation again with that. Punch. Well, yeah, well, Whoa. A, well, a, yeah, a, poor AJ Greer. He gets a goal and he's like all excited, and then he just like. Well, that was that was a beef that started the game before between the two teams. No, so I think they he, went to settle it. But... He took that hit right hand right on the button yeah yeah he was he was out on his feet a yeah little bit. whoa yeah, yeah and then two goals from pavel zakia zacha how do you say his name pavel zaka pavel zaka yeah he actually was really good yeah exa- he was incredible yes. but and like and like the leaf goals mitch marner their their second or third best player or first best player you can put him in any one of those three slots and Kelly Yarncroft, who's their fourth best goal scorer right now. Like, where? I've been wondering fifth. this. Is it? Like, why? Why is it? Why are we so cursed with these depth guys? We've been picking on them a lot in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to pick on them again. If you took Pierre Engvall and put him in a Boston Bruins jersey, would I be reading his name out as scoring a goal? Like, why is it when these guys get here? They're they're no longer effective, like point 
production wise. I hey, what is going on? Look at the general manager. Like that's that's what I say. Like look at it. Like that's that's it. Like we've been talking about it all year. Should they resign him? Should they not? This is an argument to not resign him because it's just not good enough. It's just the way it. This is how he constructed the team. Like Pavel Zaka played in New Jersey forever and was like a pretty decent player. And then he gets into Boston and he gets plugged in with a bunch of different characters on the bottom six. And then he turns into exactly what you're talking about that you want Pierre Engvall to turn into. Like, I just don't understand why, why can the Leafs never have a guy like, like it just, it just feels that during this entire run with this core and this group and this general manager that we've been, I, I've been saying this forever. Like, how many times on in the history of this pod have I sat here with you ahead of a playoff game, a huge playoff game, like pick a pick an elimination game in the last five years when I've sat here every time and gone, who's going to score the big goal? And you know what the answer is every time? No one. Yeah. No. AJ Greer. Well, you can make the art like. Michael Bunting should be the the Pavel Zaka, AJ Greer of this team. But as soon as you bring in a half decent player who can score, he's just whoo, top six. Yes. Because they just, the way their team's constructed, they just can't have depth. As soon as they have a guy who comes, they have four guys. So your two best forwards, who's basically Pavel Zaka and AJ Greer, who's not in their top. If they were on the Leafs, they slide right up to the top line because there's just four guys occupying all the space. And that that's just the way the way it works. And and also all the players he's found to play in the bottom six, they're all the same guys. They're all just soft and they can all skate. They're all pretty skilled, but they, they just don't have like that mm, that character that the guy you want. You know, that guy who could score that big goal. They don't have it. Well, I, they don't have a guy who's difficult to play against no. in the bottom six. No, and I like they, they just don't like who. And, and, and again, anyone who's who's disputing that. Tell me who. Comment on this video and tell me who you see in their bottom six that is is difficult. A lot to of play guys against. like Engvall, like for sure. A lot of guys like Engvall, but it's just like you look at Camp and, and Holmberg. They're basically the exact same player. Yes. And then Camp's gonna leave after the season, and then Holmberg's gonna become Camp. Yes. And you look at a and guy. And then you got Kerfoot, who's just the most like inept offensive player. Like he just, he just doesn't have the hands anymore. He all, or well, if he, he ever did have the hands. I mean, the Kerfoot, like he already was a mediocre at best overplayed hockey player. And this year he's become the ultimate like whipping boy. And his confidence is just completely gone. Like Alex Kerfoot is a guy that I could see suiting up for the Seattle Kraken and scoring a big goal in game five to extend the series or put away whoever they're playing in the first round. It's just, I don't know, man. It's the curse of, I've, I've, it's the curse. Yeah. It's the curse. I, I feel kind of the same with even like the Jays sometimes. Like you just bring a player in who's been so good or has the ability to be good other places. And this is just our own insecurity speaking here. This is no, this isn't facts or anything. Just, it's just strange. And how that always happens. Yeah. like. Zach Aston Reese, Joey Anderson, Joey Anderson. Like they're all, it just feels like too, when they call up a lot of these guys from the Marlies, it's just, it's the same guy they're calling up every time. Like who, who they call up from the Marlies that you're like, Oh, this guy's like Pontus has had some nice moments, but it's at the same time. It's like, 
Pontus is not Pontus at a point yet just, where he's a difference maker. He's just going to replace David Camp as a defensively respond, quote unquote, defensively responsible third line center. I, here we go, Ryan. I am here to plant my sword into the ground and I am going to tell you how I feel. Trade Matthew Nyes, trade your first round pick, trade Rasmus Sandin, trade anyone. I don't care. Like, there is a depth issue with this roster. You're not going to achieve your ultimate goal you're looking for this year with this roster as currently constituted. So just take whatever you have and do whatever wow. you got to do. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I watched, again... I'm not going to read too much into, into the, the, the Bruins loss. Like, it's the last game before the break. Half these guys, these guys are going back to the room, throwing on their Hawaiian shirts and getting on the plane and going to Cabo ASAP, okay? So I'm not going to read too much into that. What I am going to read into is just why is A.J. Greer a factor out there? Like, what, why are these depth pieces a factor in our scoring goals and you never see it? from the Leafs ever. So do what you got to do. Trade who you got to trade. Spend what you got to spend. I don't care. Let's just go full Alex Anthopoulos. We'll worry about it later. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know if there's enough, if there's somebody available at the deadline who can, who's even worth that. I just had this light bulb moment the other day where I was like, because I've been someone who's sat here and gone, don't trade Matthew Nice. Like, don't trade him. Like, this is the, uh, the like, I, everyone's excited about this prospect. Don't trade him. But then I'm like, for what? For what? So we can lose in the first round again? And so we, we don't even know if he's going to be good. Like, yeah. he, we were just excited that he's a big guy. And someone is like, well, what if you trade Matthew Nice and you what? You get to the second round and lose then? Yeah. At least we got to the second round. Yeah. yeah I actually think it's that desperate. Yes. It is that desperate. Yes. It's, it's, you have to win around. Yes. Like you have to. Yes. Have so to. do what you got to do. Trade who you got to trade. I don't care. I don't care. Do it. I'm in. I'm in. Do you trust? I, I just don't trust Dubas to make that trade. I don't know. Why? Well, he's got he it. He did trade Nazem Kadri for Alex Kerfoot. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's not happening at this deadline. Even though it would be awesome. It would be very exciting. Do you think that that, that but you know what? It, if if you look at the Jays, like forget that everyone the Jays traded turned into absolutely nothing. But say that they traded all those guys and they all turned into good players. To me, as a fan, just going to that ALCS was worth it. Was worth that trade. So I I get what you're saying in that respect because it was very exciting and it was awesome. And they're they're for as long as. Like that, that team still talks about to this day, even though they didn't want to think, but one of my favorite sports documentaries of all time is called the passion returns. And it's about the 1993 Toronto Maple Leafs who went to the Western conference final. And it's like Joe Bowen being like, welcome to a celebration of excellence. Yeah, and it's like, they didn't even win a championship. No, no. but it's like, uh, that's where I'm at. Like, let's, let's, whatever. And we, do you think, here's a question for you. Do you think that there's conversations going on right now with Shani and Kyle where it's like, 
you and I lamented last week about the state of the league and how much it's the playoff format sucks. The hard cap sucks. You can't really make a deal. It's really, really hard. You just said right now, like I was ranting about do whatever you need to. And you said, I don't even know if there's a guy out there that's worth trading all that for. Do you think that like they're sitting down right now and going, here's the list of guys that we could potentially go get. Do we think these guys are worth giving up our ass the, the things that we feel our assets for. So nice, a first round pick, another uh, prospect in the system. And if they sit there and say, no, they're not. Then at, at a certain point, you just got to kind of sit back and go, all right, then like we're going into the first round with the same core group of guys. And they're hopefully like in fairness to them, they, they were this close to getting it done against Tampa last year. So we're just going to have to sit back, close our eyes, and just hope for the best. Roll the dice and see if they can do it. I think Dubas just 100% believes in this group. I, I don't think they're... I, I honestly believe that he's going to ride or die with the group he has right now. Well, and They might go out and add another depth guy or whatever. But like, to, to a certain extent, Ryan, he doesn't really have a choice. Like, I know. I know yeah. he doesn't have a choice, but it's just like he just he has to ride or die with this group. If you look at the trades he's made over the past couple seasons, it's been to acquire like they had Felino, they had Giordano, they had whoever that else they had. But it's just they might do something like that. But like at the end of the day, this this group... He, he, everything he did to build this hockey team is based on believing in this group. So like it, he's going to go down with the ship. Like he just ha he has to believe he has to, I don't care how close they were either too. I, I'm kind of sick of hearing that too. It's, I, I don't care how close they were. They still didn't do it. I, I'm kind of sick of that excuse. They've been close all the time. They're always close, but at some point it's just, you've been so close so many times that maybe you were never close. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I just, I just think that he's, it's going to be so interesting to see what happens as we get closer and closer to the deadline, because what Dubas and Shani do is going to tell you where they're at with this team. And I don't care what anybody says. Like if they, you can't watch this team night in and night out and go, this roster is deep enough to get us to where we want to go. You can't. You can't do I, it. Just compare them to the Lightning. They just, like, I, I think if they played each other, if they played a 107-game series, like, obviously, they're going to win some, but that's not how it works. I, it, but, like, if you just compare them, it's just, like, the Lightning, the forwards cancel each other out, and they exactly. the, the Lightning have a better depth. Their, their bottom six is more effective. They have the best defenseman in the series. And they have the best goalie in the world. Well, and 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 like, I, how are you supposed to beat that? And I want to be like super clear here. What you just said is exactly what I'm talking about. When like the best players cancel each other out to a degree, and I don't have like I don't have faith in Zach Aston Reese or David Camp or Callie Yarncrock or Joey Anderson or Pontus Holmberg or Pierre Engvall. Like I don't have. I don't have faith in these guys to to score a big goal. I don't. No. So, like, to me, that's the biggest concern. It's not about, I'm not looking at this and going, 
geez, you know, William Nylander, like, I'm really worried. No, I fully believe going into this first-round series against the Lightning, William Nylander is going to play the best he's ever played in his life, and he's going to leave it all out there. I really do believe that. Same with Matthews, same with Marner. I don't have any faith that Pierre Engvall is going to score a goal when we need him to score a goal. No. No, absolutely not. Like, I'm just, I just pulled up the, the Tampa Bay's current lines, and it's just, they... <laughs> they, 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 they're, they're just. This team is flat out better on the, the, paper. Bottom like, six, in yes. my opinion. Bottom six. I like yes. you have Corey Perry on your fourth line. He's going to play the Leafs for the third playoff series in a row, and he's just a menace. Yeah, Nick Paul, who killed them last year. You have Nemestikov on your fourth line, who's a pretty You've skilled got, player. You got Ross Colton, who scores a big goal. Anthony got, Sorelli's yeah. a good player. Kalorn's a good player. You've got you've got Pat Maroon. Where like, say what you want about Pat Maroon, he's out there wreaking havoc and causing trouble yeah, and getting yeah. in guys' heads. Point Kucherov, Samkos as a line is is better than if you put well, Matthews, Marner, and Neeland. Like they they cancel each other out completely. And Anthony Sorelli's just as good as John Tavares now on in, in a playoff style system. Maybe not doesn't get the points he gets, but it's, you know, like you just look at this, like, even though their, their, their decor is not as good as it used to be. I will say that, no, but, but they that, still have the best defenseman the in the series. You're looking at that right now. And it's like, if you're, if you're lining up pieces on, on a, on a, on a chessboard or whatever, it's like our big pieces go up against your big pieces, but it's like your pawns are stronger than our pawns. Yeah. Even though that doesn't make any sense. Cause in a game of chess pawns, there's no stronger pawns, but whatever. No, it's just yeah, no, no. It's it like your makes, bottom makes six sense is better than ours. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Your bottom six is better than ours. Period. End of discussion. Full stop. And to me, that has to be two things have to happen. Sheldon Keefe has got to figure out what the hell is going on in the defensive zone and get everyone back to playing how they were playing in November, December. Would I like them to go and get another defenseman? Sure. But I think they should prioritize a depth forward because one, we've seen them play a defensive structure thus far this year and look pretty good doing it when everyone's bought in. And two, like I just said, the bottom six is terrible. It's it's a higher priority. Sorry. Here's here's Queso. Here's what we know about the Leafs. They're going to seven games. Yes. Okay. Like no matter we're talking about all this is great. They're 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 a good enough team to go to seven games. They've proven that year over year over year over year. It's just what's going to happen in that seventh game to finally get them over the hump. And the only thing I can think of is one of these two goalies plays out of their mind, which they've also never had. That's also never yes. happened for them before as well. Yes. Freddie Anderson and Jack Campbell Couldn't have do both it. played average playoff series. But when it came to the big game, they just couldn't. It's not always up to the goalie to steal a game. But think about all the years that they had but, Cujo playing Ottawa in the early 2000s. He, he stole those but, first rounds but, every every year. Ryan, what happened in Game 7 last year, okay? Vasilevsky played out of his mind. But Vasilevsky playing out of his mind was complemented by Nick Paul getting two big goals. And Tampa Bay. I remember vividly. I actually watched. Didn't I, I think I watched that game here. Didn't we watch? No. I think we watched it here. No, I watched it. I was at an engagement party. I think I was here while you. I think I was house sitting. Yeah, for yeah maybe. You. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. at an engagement party while somebody put it put it up. It was actually pretty sweet. Somebody put it up on like a big projector. And, and another thing that awesome. happened in that game too was Tampa Bay just opened up the magical book of defending the Toronto Maple Leafs, and on the front page it says, "Clog the middle." and keep them to the outside because there is nothing Maple Leaf forwards love to do more 
then circle around the ozone and not get to the net. Who's the guy in the bottom six that's going to sacrifice to get in there and score the big goal? You know, at the, at the same time, where's the big guys? Like, I know they cancel each other out, but at the same time, at some point, if you're making double digits a year, like, oh, it's yeah. up to no, you to... That's, yeah, 100%. It's just the way it's always worked out. It seems like it's always a bottom six guy. And, and not even with the Leafs. It's it's even through all NHL playoff history. There's always a guy in the bottom six or a depth player who comes up big. But if, if, if at, this, at some point, your top players who are making double digits, they also have to find a way to break through because without them, this team can't win so in closing unofficial halfway point of the season it's a good hockey team it's a top five hockey team in the league a lot of things to be happy about but if you're looking into the future in the playoffs you're looking at these 12 guys they have playing forward Starting from second line LW on down, I don't think it's good enough to achieve what this organization wants to achieve this spring. No. And we've got a few weeks left, about a month left, and Kyle's got to do something. Or, and if he doesn't, I think that tells us what they think. They think there's no one out there that's worth, and listen, I don't necessarily disagree with that. There's no one out there that's worth paying a huge premium price for. So we're just going to have to roll the dice and hope that our big boys can carry us to the promised land. And to what, to what you just said earlier, that we can get the lights out goaltending that we've never got, this team has never gotten in any of their playoff series in the last five, six years. Matt Murray has never, ever, ever been good in the regular season. He's never been a regular season goalie ever. Not once, but there's one thing he's done twice. And that's take the net in April and may and play lights out, which I don't know if he's capable of doing anymore, but I don't, they, they I really don't, need, I don't want to take away from, don't want to take away from Matt Murray's accomplishments. And that's, that is not at all what I'm attempt, attempting to do here. Okay. Matt Murray was in the net for a hockey team that was led by arguably the most driven superstar this league has ever seen. And it's like, will he go down as being as skilled as Gretzky or McDavid? No. But will he go down as like one of the best like elite superstar winners this league has ever seen? Yes, I believe he will. Yeah, I, I but I also believe that you can't you can't win four rounds. Oh no no four no. grueling rounds. Hundred percent goaltender. Hundred percent agree. That's what I mean when I say you can't. I'm not taking it away. Matt Murray's is a huge part of that too. But I just like. I think about Crosby too. It's like, it's not even, it's not even the three, like having three cups, your name is pretty goat, almost four, but it's also the, the two, the two gold medals that are just 
yeah. the two best. The two gold medals two and greatest two gold, hockey teams ever assembled. The two gold medals, the first one where he's got the A and scores the greatest goal in the history of Canadian hockey. And then the second one where he he's the captain of what many people consider the greatest hockey team ever assembled. The one that won gold in Sochi. Yeah. The one that allowed like one goal yeah. throughout the entire yes. tournament. Yes. Uh, all right, buddy. We're going to get out of here. We're going to enjoy a little bit of an all-star break ourselves. We will be back at some point next week, still lining up a guest for that show, but at some point we will be back. And I want to talk a little bit of Leafs. You know, I went off right now about like, who do we trade? Who's in the cupboard? Who can they give up? Whatever. So that uh, that's something that I want to discuss. We'll get somebody on to talk that, talk that with us next week. Excuse me. Thanks everybody for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.